Uh, they can't hear. Th oh, there we go. Can you hear me? So I'm ready to start now or what? Oh, okay. Well, good morning to everybody. And welcome to today's adult Sunday school class here at St. James. United Methodist Church in downtown, well, uptown Lawrence, I guess you call it uptown or downtown. It's not downtown. Uh, want to especially welcome those people listening on the Facebook and internet. As far as announcements are concerned today, I want to encourage everybody to continue. Uh, come to Sunday school when you can. Uh, those that can't and are not able to and have internet, uh, listen to us. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we mentioned that uh, Kevin had put on the website the home. There's a place at the top. I don't know what you call it, Kevin, but at the top, there's a home, a gallery, and then news. You can click on the news to find out what's going on. Uh, Kevin, Kevin, I'm twisting my words today. I didn't have enough coffee. Kevin, you have any special announcements or anything? Okay, he's not listening. I guess he doesn't. You can interrupt me if you have something special, Kevin. Um, I want to thank Carolyn for bringing the lesson last week. And I hope she continues to help tag team with me when I'm gone or doing other things. I know, Kevin, we're going to miss you next week. But uh, Hey, thanks, Steve. Sorry, I'm having a little bit of diff technical difficulty over here. That's um, okay. So, so just to let everybody know, uh, I am training Jamie, Dominic, <laughs> to run the live stream because I will not be here next week. Thanks for calling that out. I will be somewhere in the Smoky Mountains. Um, <laughs> hiding in the Smoky Mountains, right? Um, so, so yeah. Uh, as far as words of wisdom is concerned, thanks, Steve. I uh, really don't have anything. Just, just uh, you're calling out the, the 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 website there, and I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, the uh, over at www.stjamesumclawrence.org, uh, we can find everything about uh, uh, everything we got up about our church right now. Uh, I continue to welcome all feedback, thoughts, and opinions on that thing because I want to get as much information on there as I, as I possibly can. So uh, continue to continue to encourage you to 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 bring that information over to me so we can get it up on the site. Um, so just a reminder again to everyone uh, that Marianne and I are again have taken over temporarily taken over the um, the, the call prayer chain. Uh, so reach out to us uh, if. If you have any uh, prayer requests or uh, any type of announcements or anything that need to go out to the church, we'll also start probably start utilizing email as well for those of you who have provided your email addresses. The church does have an email address, and you may see some, some things coming in from there as well as, as it relates to announcements and uh, prayer chains and, and things of that nature. Um, I think that's all I got. Uh, um, continue to pray for Pat. Obviously, she had a, she she was in the hospital. I know a lot of people have been asking about her. I know she greatly appreciates it. Um, but she was in the hospital all week. Uh, but that was planned. It wasn't like an emergency type of thing um, to to undergo some some treatments that her that her doctor wanted her to um, that her doctor wanted her to to, to undergo for one reason or another. I'm not exactly sure why, she, why he wanted to do that. I guess it was like some aggressive type of treatment or something like that, that he just wanted to monitor. But she did super well. Uh, she, she's home now. She came home on Friday. I uh, understand everything went as expected, if not better than expected, and she, she's at home and, 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 and full of energy. I don't want to say full of energy, but <laughs> she is home and, and feeling well. Uh, so, so but, but continue. She still needs all the prayers and uplifting that she can get. 
That's all I got. Thanks, Steve. Great. Uh, you know, I didn't realize, I guess I realized we had an email address. Uh, I guess Mary Ellen probably put, or Marianne probably put that on the back of the bulletin for people in the future. Uh, I, it, I don't know if it's there or not. No, I didn't know. <laughs> if it's not, we'll be sure we get it on there. Yeah, I, I was just suggesting it. Yep. Well, thanks. Yep. Um, family Promise is doing very well. They've got a family. And uh, if this week is uh, First Methodist is then St. James Responsibilities, there have been quite a few people sign up for the meals. If you're available and it can help, Give Carolyn a call, because most of the things have been filled in, most of it done. Is that right, Carolyn? And it's a family of uh, six with two workers at night, so uh, meals are being prepared for uh, adults, three adults and children from seven to teenage. And so if you want to help with something, call Carolyn Vines or myself, Steve Wakeman. Um, <clears throat> Luann and I enjoyed our visit last week to Utah. It was very good. Hope you all had the opportunity this summer to visit with your families, wherever they are. We flew, wear the mask, did all that safely stuff, uh, and we're still alive. I didn't die, didn't catch anything. Thanks be to God, because we did just follow basic, simple rules. Um, <clears throat> as far as our prayer requests are concerned, I haven't any specialists. Want to let's remember Felix. And especially Pat, now that she's back home, God's been good to her. Uh, got a call late yesterday. My daughter, my oldest daughter, her husband, his 16-year-old granddaughter, lobbed in a wreck, but they're, they're fine. They're going to need a new car. But uh, uh, they went to the hospital, took x-rays, and everybody's bruised up. But thanks to God, watching over them. That's what happens when you're driving to some idiot next to you is playing on their phones. They run into you because they're not paying attention. That's my children's moments today about following guidelines and rules. <clears throat> Any, oh, yes. Uh, Mr. Davis, uh, is he home now? Or? Okay, well, let's keep, uh, let's keep the, uh, yeah, Ron and Ron, Ron and Mary and Davis in our prayers. <clears throat> Sorry, I've, people in the audience got a mask on. It's hard to hear them sometimes up here. I take mine off. Uh, if there's no other special prayers, let's open up in a word of prayer. Let us pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this day for the opportunity to worship you on this beautiful Sunday morning. We appreciate the rain you gave us yesterday. Watch over those we listed in our prayers just a minute ago and those private prayers we all have. We give you the glory and praise and ask for continued guidance in our daily lives. We know the world is changing, but we know that you are in charge, not the winds of our society but those who and those who oppose us, uh, just like we're going to study in Nehemiah today. Be with those unable to be here and li those listening via our web internet pages. Watch over all our Sunday school classes and the words from Pastor John. We ask that your word, your word, continue to give us hope and guidance we need. We thank you and praise you, and in Jesus' name, all the people said, amen.
Uh, we'll go ahead and flip to our first chart whenever it comes up, and it's no big deal. We have a few technical problems today. <clears throat> Today's lesson uh, in our adult Sunday school book for the summer is uh, lesson eight, which is on forgiving, merciful, and compassionate. That's the title. And I guess you could put a subtitle there and say, this is our God. This is what this is what Scripture teaches us about Jesus and about the way we should treat others. We should be forgiven. We should be merciful. And we should be compassionate. And we see all through the Bible how God has been forgiving, merciful, and compassionate. And Jesus teaches us that. Uh, today's Scripture is from uh, the book of Jeremiah. We're going to focus on chapter 9. It's a, it's a huge prayer. Matter of fact, it's the longest prayer in the Bible. Is that correct? What I say? Oh, you're right. I'm dyslexic sometimes, I guess. It's Nehemiah. I knew that and have it written down. I've got my book right here. Uh, but before we talk about today's specific scripture and reading, I think in Sunday school class it's always because that's some, one of the places where sh we should be able to discuss anything. But I think it's important to talk about the background and really what's going on. Um, now, you people that are by yourself here, if you want to take your mask on and yell at me, you can take your mask off. It's like those news conferences on TV. You can wear your mask here. You can take it off if you've got plenty of room. <clears throat> um, whenever Kevin brings a chart up, I really want to talk about some of the background, and we know that, uh, and I must go back to chapter 1 in Nehemiah in your Bible, because I, I want to highlight a couple things. We know that Nehemiah was born in captivity, and he, he as long as his family and others, was taken into captivity by the Babylonians. That was around... 590 B.C. Then the Babylonians were defeated by the Persians about 50 years later. And at that time, it was really kind of fortunate for the people that were in exile because the Persian rulers, and I'm going to name them, they were Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes. These kings really allowed the exiles to go back and reoccupy their, their land. <clears throat> now, if you look in Daniel chapter 9, the background for Nehemiah is really kind of foretold in Daniel. If you look at chapter 9, I'm going to read part of this, chapter 9 in Daniel, verses 20-23. And it says, <clears throat> this is Daniel 9-20. Now, I would... Now, while I was speaking, praying and confessing my sins and the sins of my people of Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my eyes, yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, uh, Gabriel came to him. I'm going to skip down. And Gabriel says, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. 
And at the beginning of your supplication, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider this matter and understand the vision. And in verse 25, Gabriel says, Know therefore and understand that from going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The streets shall be built again and the wall, even in troublesome time. So what's happening right here was also foretold. Now we know that Nehemiah, he was a lay person. And during this time, Ezra, which is part of today's lesson, he was a priest. Now we know in the book of Ezra, which is right before Nehemiah, that that book emphasizes the, you call it the rebuilding of the temple. And the book of Nehemiah that we're studying today, it emphasizes upon rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. Because at that time, all these cities needed a wall around to keep the bad guys out. I'm glad Lawrence City doesn't have to do that. I like these <clears throat> just signs, you know, speed limit and then entering Lawrence City or Wattsville or Clinton. <clears throat> In chapter 1 of Nehemiah, Nehemiah really becomes aware of the state of affairs in Judea when he met some men, and he asked these men about what was going on. And I'm going to read what these men said to him, and it starts out in Jeremiah 1, 3 to 4. These men said to him, Well, the survivors who have left from captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So in verse 4, Nehemiah says this, So it was, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before God of heaven. You know, Nehemiah, he had a comfortable position in the government there with the king in Babylon. But his heart was still for the people of Judea, even though he was taken to captivity a long time ago. At this point in our lesson material, it shows that the effects of war and famine had really wrecked physical havoc on the city of uh, Jerusalem and all its inhabitants. You know, there was poverty, dire social conditions, and Nehemiah's concern for Jerusalem not only went, went beyond rebuilding the wall, but about restoration of them as a nation. You know, the lives of the people would also need to be rebuilt. All our physical structures here, we got here, are important. But the, really, the important thing in our church is the people's lives. You know, uh, we need our church to come together, as it always does. Hopefully, soon we'll be able to get back in the sanctuary. And all this is important, but the people's are what's really important. That's why our prayer line, we appreciate Kevin and uh, Mary Ann taking over the prayer line. Uh, and continue to pray for those not able to be with. Now, Nehemiah pleaded with God and confessed his sins and those of his people. 
what I just read in Daniel, Daniel prayed for his sins and his people. Here Nehemiah is praying for his sins and his people. Now we know that Nehemiah was the cupbearer for the Persian king. I'm not going to read his name again because I mispronounce it. But as the cupbearer, we know the cupbearer, they drink the wine, test the food for the king because someone's always trying to kill the king. No matter who the king is, someone's trying to zap him. Uh, <clears throat> so Nehemiah was in a position of trust. He talked to the king daily, interacted with him. And one day when he was serving him his food and wine, the king noticed that he was sad. I'm kind of paraphrasing. But Nehemiah told him why he was sad. He was sad because... <clears throat> and I'm going to read this, uh, verse 2, 3. The king asked why he was sad, and he said, Why should my face not be sad when the city and the place of my father's tomb lies waste and its gates are burned? Now the king and his wife, who was sitting by him, uh, the king said, What can I do? What, what do you want me to do? What's your, what do you request was his exact words. And Nehemiah said, I'd like to go back and help build the wall and help the people. So the king said, okay. So the king basically gave him some assistance. They gave him a letter. He went back to Jerusalem, and this letter gave him permission to cross certain territories. Uh, that there was actually an honor guard from the king that went with him. Uh, and these letters that he had made further requests for materials to help rebuild this wall. Now, once Nehemiah was in Jerusalem, he immediately made a secret inspection, estimated the extent of the job, called all the leaders together, encouraged everybody, and then the wall was starting to be rebuilt. If you read chapter, and I encourage that, <clears throat> not only chapter 9, which I'm going to run out of time today to read, but read the whole uh, chapters 1 through 9. It, it lays the foundation because in chapter 6, now here he, he goes back and is going to build this wall. He meets a lot of opposition. They're wanting to have conferences here. His opposition didn't want him to do this and that. And they want to have summit meetings. And Nehemiah, if you read chapter 6, he just told him no, no. I don't want to meet. I don't have time for that. I got to make sure we have to make sure we, the Israel people are building the wall, the people helping them. We got to make sure this wall gets done. I don't have time for these stupid meetings. <laughs> and because of that, you know, I heard a long time ago, one of the Bible studies I went to, every time you say yes to something, you got to say no to something else. Think about that makes sense, you know. You, you only have so many hours in the day. If you say yes to something, well, I'll help you do this. You're going to miss something, something else. You guys check your priorities. Uh, but no matter what the opposition was to Nehemiah, he stayed focused. He completed it in 52 days. And it's recorded in chapter 6, and you can read this. But the people were really astonished, even his enemies. Thus it was God that got the glory, not Nehemiah, not the people. It was because of God's guidance and them following the rules. Now, once the wall was built, 
All the people came together uh, on the seventh month, and they asked Ezra, which we read, we've read other stories, that he read from the Torah of Moses, and chapter 8 records this. Now, this reading reminds them of everything God had done from creation up to their present time. Can you all hear me out there okay? I know there's a little echo. And when the Word of God was read in the crowd there, the Levites were, I guess, among them, according to what Scripture said, to help explain what was being read. And when the people heard the book of the Law of Moses that Ezra read, they were overcome with emotion because they'd never heard some of that before. And Nehemiah had urged the people, don't weep, just rejoice what God has done for us. Uh, and this brings us to today's lesson. As I pointed out, if you read the prayer, the prayer is from chapter 9, verses 5 through 38. This is the longest prayer in the Bible. Um, there are quite a, other long prayers, but this, according to what I understand, I didn't count the words, but the commentaries I've read from the Bible studies, uh, this is the longest prayer of the, the Bible. Now, when the people, the first part of uh, chapter 9, when the people were praying, of course they put on sackcloths and fasting, but the people were not only confessing their sins, but they confessed the sins of their father, fathers, uh, people before them. And when they were confessing their sins on this particular day, I want to read this, uh, chapter 9, verses 2. Then those Israelite lineage separated themselves from all the foreigners, and they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their father. They stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord, their God, for one-fourth of the day, and for another fourth, they confessed and worshiped the Lord. So part of the day, fourth of the day, they read. The other fourth, they confessed and worshiped. And really, that's what I think part of today's lesson is about, is confession. You know, confession is the first step towards good spiritual health. You know, as noted in our lesson material, it was here that the people of Israel took their ownership of their own spiritual, moral downfall. And the author points out that, you know, we have to admire their openness in admitting before God that their ancestors were arrogant. Now, this is shown in verse 16, 916. And I'm going to read what it says here. <clears throat> it says uh, 916. But they and our fathers acted proudly hardening their necks. They did not heed your command. They refused to obey, and they were not mindful of your wonders you, that you did among them. But they hardened their necks, and in their rebellion, they appointed a leader to return them the bondage. You know, somewhere along the line, the people had forgotten the magnificent things that God had done for their lives. We know, and if not only them, but us, if we look at our lives, and I'll use my personal self, I'm not saying you all, but they were not always faithful. And we read that, we study that. 
But God was always faithful. God was forgiving. He was merciful and compassionate. You know, when we've heard this many times, uh, studied it, and maybe done it ourselves. When we admit our guilt, it kind of cleanses us. Proverbs talks about that. In Proverbs 28, 13, it says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. You know, the first lesson pointed this out today. <clears throat> the um, first step towards healing to overcome any kind of problem begins with acknowledgement and accepting the reality of the problem. Does that make sense? Now, we see this played in the 12-step program, which is used by AA, NA, and other groups. We know that the, the purpose and the mission of AA is to help people recover and maintain sobriety from the effects of alcoholism. And through the series of their group meetings and shared experience, individual AA group members look deeply within themselves and honestly acknowledge their dependency on alcohol. This simple act of admitting being an alcoholic brings a person to reality of his or her failures and lays a foundation for the next step. When I was helping with the Bible classes of the jail for this crazy virus threw us out, hope to get back soon, uh, we did some 12-step studies and used scripture uh, out of the New Living... I don't know if anybody has many of them, but New Living uh, Translation of the Bible, it's a recovery Bible. Uh, these steps are reinforced by Scripture. And one of the first steps was admitting you, you had a problem, whatever that problem is, and uh, you had to admit that. And Paul admits this in Romans 7, 8. If you read Romans 7, 7 verse 18, Paul says, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's sin living within me. You know, we study today's lesson in the Scripture. We see that the Bible spells out all the fatal consequences as a result of reject, rejecting God. Uh, but also Scripture reveals that there's a path, you know, pathway to recovery, and that's God's plan. The problem back then, the problem today, I know a lot of, I don't like to hear it sometimes, but sometimes you got to hear the truth. It's basically sin. And the sin them, the sin them Steve, is really not following commandments. Real simple. Commandments, are, if you read them, they're pretty simple. It's just not following. Uh, Paul wrote also in Romans, and just to remind us, you know, we've all, as Romans 3, 23, for all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But it goes on and reinforces it in Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. <clears throat> the Israelites, and I'll be closing here in a minute or two. I'm doing okay in time, right, Kevin? Uh, in chapter 9, 
Go back to uh, Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 34 to 35. I'm going to read this in a second, but the Israelites were convicted that the truth about their past, you know, they were convinced that sin had brought them to the social and spiritual uh, spiral they were in, but, and that only God could deliver them from that mess that they're already in from their past wrongs. Uh, and the, the knowledge and evidence, this is really knowledge and evidence of things hoped for but not seen. You know, this had led the officials and the peoples to make a public declaration. And I want to read 34 and and uh, then 38. They said, Neither our kings nor princes, our priests nor our fathers have kept your law, nor heeded your command or your testimony which you testified against them. And they go on to say in 38, Because of all this, we make a sure covenant and write it. Our leaders, our Levites, and our priests seal it. Uh, when we have communion, which I hope we get to have for long. In the order of worship in our hymnals, I'm not going to be able to read the whole thing, but included in the Holy Communion is a prayer of confession. Now, this prayer we read, it's a corporate prayer, and I encourage you to read it. Starts out, most merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We've not done your will. We have broken your laws, and it goes on. Now, whether or not we have individually committed those sins mentioned in the prayer that previous week, we share with one another's sin and the sinful nature as a community of faith. You know, the corporate prayer, the corporate prayer of confession is how we hold each other accountable. Uh, I want to encourage you this week to go back and read all of Nehemiah 1 to 9 and 10. Uh, and as you read this and study it, see if you can see some similarities in our corporate prayer and the passage from Nehemiah. Does prayer answer everything? Sure. We don't get the answers we want. But I found through prayer that it continues to give me hope, gives me direction. And even when all hell breaks loose, roof falls in, car breaks down. Uh, my, when I got the call about my daughter being a wreck, I kind of worried about it. But I knew God was I trusted God, and they're all fine, except for a lot of bruises. Uh, Nehemiah, he was trusted by the king because he did godly things. And Nehemiah trusted in God. We have to, I have to continue, and I encourage us all to continue trusting God to watch over us, no matter these crazy guidelines we're doing right now or what's going on in the world. <clears throat> We know that God's in control. As I mentioned earlier, these, uh, I forgot what I had to look, look up my note. I mentioned earlier 
God doesn't change. Now the world's changing all the time. But as I said earlier, it's not the winds of society and those who oppose us that are going to control us. It's God. And I have to remember that every day myself. I'm going to close a word of prayer in our back of our uh, student book. <clears throat> um, let us pray. Lord, we worship you as God who meets us in the comfort and peace in life's most trying time. Help us to hold on to your promise that we may see your grace. And we say this in Jesus' name, amen. Y'all be careful. Get yourself a cup of coffee here at home and uh, uh, turn back in at 11 o'clock and listen to Pastor John and any special news John has. And we uh, ask Kevin to be careful next week and look forward to uh, Jamie being our auto-visual expert number two. So, Y'all have a blessed week. <laughs>